what we're trying to do today. It isn't necessarily wrong, that's for sure. Just really odd. Okay, now I can do it. The Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter from prison. And if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> chapter 4. Chapter 4. Because today Paul is going to talk about appropriate clothing. What to wear. Not necessarily what to wear in church, or, not, or what to wear in a snowmobile race. But the truth is, no matter what you do or where you go, if you're not dressed appropriately, appropriately for an interview, if you're a carpenter, if you're a welder, you don't show up to the job with a tuxedo. Now, a tuxedo is really appropriate at certain occasions. It's just not appropriate all the time. So we have Paul. He's in prison, and he's writing a letter to the Ephesian church. The first half of the letter focuses on the blessings of God's grace. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. Paul just spits out all the things that, well, believers have. Not because they've earned it, but because God is gracious. So we are graced. We are blessed with so many different spiritual blessings. And as you see on your bulletin, as you see on the screen, we're not just graced, though. We're graced to grace. We are graced in order to extend grace to others. Last week we started in chapter 4. And chapter 4 begins to illustrate exactly what gracing looks like. So if you would, you can follow along on the screen or open up your Bibles or flat screens. I'm going to have Dan Bayright read for us Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. This section is uh, captioned, Living as Children of Light. Verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And then verse 32, one of my favorite life verses, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Amen. Verse 17 begins the second of five sections in this latter part of the letter. Paul uses the exact same word that he used in chapter 4, verse 1. Where there he said, hey, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of, well, being one of God's kids. You've heard all of the amazing blessings that you have received for the last three chapters. Now what I want you to do is live like you're a child of the king. You're going to dress differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to use your time differently. Live or walk worthy of the king. So here he uses the same word as I said in chapter 4 verse 1, only with the negative, don't, don't. He starts off saying this, don't live or walk like the Gentiles. Basically, live or walk like Jesus. Now, most of us probably here are Gentiles. A definition of a Gentile is just someone who is a, not a Jew, nor a Samaritan. So, basically, Paul feels like he's shooting down the Gentiles. But really what he's saying here is Gentiles, at least in this context, are those who are without God or actually those living apart from God's protection or blessing. Basically says, don't walk like those where God has no influence in your life, but live like Jesus. Because when Jesus was here, he allowed the Spirit to direct him every move of his way. Now before jumping into this passage, what I must do though is remind you that Paul is writing to a mature, thriving church. Say, okay Rick, we get that. But what I want you to understand is as you read through this text, oftentimes we'll put ourselves in one of the categories. And the truth is, my guess today, 
is that God is talking to all of us, at least some of us. Now, if you get it, if you get that he is writing this letter to a group of mature believers, to a group of people that know the Lord, understand doctrine, you kind of wonder. But I think if you get it, you will be shocked. Because he's writing to us. Let that sit just a little bit. Because we're really good at picking out verses that we like and not listening to all of them. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today humbly. We're asking you to teach us from your word. Lord, we understand all the things, or at least some of the things that you've done. For everyone who has come to the cross, everyone who has put their faith in you, everyone who is now a child of the King, that's an amazing privilege. But God, sometimes we don't act like that. Sometimes we forget that you're really the King and we're not. So would you teach us today? Would you help us understand that not only our own actions affect those around us, but it affects our whole church? Father, would you give us wings? Would you give us an understanding? Lord, we know that there's all kinds of churches that are being held right now. Some a little earlier, some a little later. Some in houses, some in cathedrals. We pray, dear God, that your kingdom would come. That you would move mightily. That you would show yourself. And that you would be undeniable to a world who is lost and hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read verses 17, 18, and 19. Once again, chapter 4. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Paul describes those who are literally far from God. And there had to be some of those right there in the Ephesian church. They're the ones who are church, but they are not being spirit-led. They're hopelessly confused because they're making choices themselves and trying to, well, gain wisdom from their own resources. Their minds are full of darkness because they're leaving God out of the picture. They're wandering from the life-giving God. What a beautiful picture. Is that God desires, no matter what the press says, is to be able to give you life abundant now and eternal later. He knows what is best for each one of his kids. 
and we often have the, or, or listen to the voice that says, you know what, God really doesn't want to give you joy. God really doesn't want to make you fulfilled. If you follow God, you are going to, and you have this list. It breaks God's heart, I think, when we listen. Because he desires so much for us. Those who are wandering from life that God is giving, they have closed minds and hardened hearts. And I think it kind of goes in that direction. Folks like that stop listening to God. And their hearts get harder and harder and harder. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures, ones that focus on yourself and the flesh. And they practice every kind of impurity. But Paul then writes and gives us a little breath of, of fresh air in chapter 4, starting at verse 20. Instead, oh, let, let's, I'm sorry, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Jesus didn't live that way. You have faithfully, at least Paul did, for at least three years to this church, talked about Jesus, the way of Jesus, how Jesus responded, how Jesus thought, what he thought of people, how he dealt with them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul reminds all believers that we are new creations. This is important to understand as we go through the text for today. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life or the old person is gone. A new life has begun. Each one of us who came to Christ by faith Get a fresh start. We are brand new people. We have the capability of listening to God, of talking to God. He begins this life transformation where he begins to chip away from the inside out all the things that don't reflect him very well at all. And however long that we stay connected with God, he chips away and chips away and chips away, and chips away. So that when people begin to see you, the longer you've walked with God, the longer you've listened to God, you start behaving more and more like God. You treat others differently because of your relationship with God. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, you've been graced. You've responded. And you are dead to your old way of life. If you've been around here for a while, again, we've talked about the different aspects or the different well, perspectives of salvation. When you first come to the faith, you're justified. 
that Christ died on the cross to pay for all of your debt, your past sin. He also died in order to give us freedom from the power of sin, which is called sanctification. You don't have to live underneath, well, all the things that used to oppress you. You're no longer a slave to that. You have new freedom and new power to live the way God intended you to live. And lastly, the third aspect would be glorification. Or the time when eventually when we stop breathing on this planet, we are transported into God's presence immediately. Salvation is so big, it's so robust. But but Paul reminds us right away, and, and he just says this, he, Jesus lived a certain way. Starting in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 4, 22. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So, throw off the clothing that people wear who are far from God. Sometimes we think, even as believers, that we can teeter. We can sort of obey God and sort of not obey God. Well, it's kind of like when I walked in. I was certainly dressed for snowmobiling, not for teaching. Unless it would be like outside in a blizzard. Then I would be dressed for teaching. But not right here. Literally, throw off the clothing that's inappropriate. Now we read this passage, and some of you actually came to faith later on in life. You came and you saw God's grace at 25 or 30 or 40 or 50, and you lived a life of, well, your almost whole life apart from God. And you realize again what happened there and what consequences of living apart from God were. And so some of you, when you come to faith, you are so excited. Isn't it amazing when someone, after 45 years of living selfishly, understands the gospel? Can't stop talking about Jesus. Can't get enough of his word. Can't believe that he has access right to the Almighty just by talking can't believe that he's partnering with God in the gospel. He can't shut up at work. His life is completely different. How he thinks, what he does, where he goes. Oh, kind of exciting. But some, some have been saved for a long time. And we've been listening to the culture maybe too much. And we don't want to really make waves. And this whole gospel thing is really, really cool, but not that cool enough for me to share. And I don't want to really change anything because I like being able to spend my time and my money exactly the way I like. And we miss out. That's all. We think we're living. 
But Paul says, throw off the clothing that your old person wore. The way you used to walk, the way you used to make decisions, the way you used to spend your time, treasures and talents, before you were following Jesus. Now, as I look around, though, there's been some that have been saved a really long time. As I shared with you a few weeks back, we had a sparky come to faith one Wednesday evening. Oh, she's a little one. She is. And my guess is she wasn't that, well, visibly corrupt. I'm pretty sure she wasn't part of the mafia. She didn't rob banks. She didn't embezzle. You know, didn't lie to, I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure she lied. But as you look at this, saying, well, you know what? She's not too bad. That's true. But sometimes in the church, what happens is we grow up, and we keep thinking we're not that bad. And I'm not here to try to hit you over the head. I'm just saying it doesn't take much for us if we're not walking with God that the flesh creeps in. And we start thinking and doing and acting and spending time exactly well, the way someone does who is far from God. We look a little shinier, all right, a little better on the outside. But if we're not walking with God, if we're not listening to Him, we're not going to treat people the way Jesus treated people. That's just the bottom line. And anyone who thinks they can is deceived. So let's look at what Paul says. To this unbelievably godly and wonderful church. It just blows you away. Starting in verse 25, going to verse 29. I'm just going to look at the things, and you can see them on the screen, that are bold. So church, mature church, church of Ephesus, stop telling lies. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Quit stealing. Don't use foul or abusive language. The church. He starts off by saying this, stop telling lies. Now, honestly, this is a really hard translation, and so it can actually go a few different directions, but what Paul's trying to say is stop telling lies, or you're doing better at not telling lies, or you've already laid aside telling lies for today. And I started thinking, because I'm really good at lying. I am. And, and I'll tell you why. Because as I started looking at dishonesty in my own life, I say, Lord, I do lie. I, I don't want to be part of this. You see, Think of the different forms of lying that surround us every day and consider whether any of them characterize your own life and need to be taken off like a snowmobile suit. What about deception? 
I, 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 uh, I didn't lie. Aren't we good at making sure we say just enough? What about diplomatic hedging? A form of dishonesty. Exaggerating the facts. Sharon will always say, well, not always, almost always. Rick, I don't remember the story like that. <laughs> Honey, your memory, it's fading quickly. Quickly. How about I exaggerate it? Now, I think there's something called hyperbole, and sometimes you can teach like that. But honestly, how come your story sounds so much better now, 20 years later? My memory's good. <laughs> what about half-truths? Sort of truths. What about plagiarism? We say something and don't give the right people credit. Or flattery. It's lying. Or, or hypocrisy. Or how about this? Habitual promise breaking. When you say you're going to do something and you don't do it. You see, these are all the old clothing. And just Paul says, take that off. Stop speaking lies. What about don't sin by letting anger control you? And, and almost everyone says, oh, Rick, 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 Jesus was angry. I, I mean... How come any discussion with anger, this always comes out? Don't you remember you tossed over the tent? He, he did. And I am really sure there's righteous anger. But all I want to say is, <laughs> that's not mostly me. <laughs> it, it, it just isn't. Sinful anger lingers. It becomes grudges. It modifies your behavior. Don't you notice when you're mad at someone, like, if they walk in the room, you go to the other side? You ever notice that? It's a phenomena. All right? Sinful anger seeks to justify, and, see, and, and sinful anger forces, or, or focuses on retaliation. Paul says, don't do it. You give the enemy a foothold, settle your issues quickly. And we're going to talk about this because we're not really even talking about individuals, although individuals make up a church. If we as believers don't deal with anger quickly, repent of it, own it, the enemy has a way to use that to divide unity and break up all that God has for us is individuals and a church. Hey, are you a thief? <laughs> Quit stealing. Now again, this encompasses a plethora of activities. If we think, again, it's only those who put the mask on and go into First National, boom, I am clean. Never, ever once have I done that. All right? But honestly, what about wasting time at work? 
or failing to pay a fair wage for work done, or leaving a really poor tip. It's so subtle at times, but it's all wrong. Don't use foul or abusive language. Vulgar phrases, crude jokes, even sarcasm. I am telling you, I have apologized for being sarcastic so much. Why? Why does it come out of my mouth? That's the old clothes. Take those off. Or even unkind or mean-spirited remarks. What the apostle says in chapter 4, verse 30, if you underline, if you highlight, this is what you highlight. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. This lifestyle which we just described hurts you and hurts this church. And literally, if we're kind of flippant, I don't really care if I make the Holy Spirit sad. Put it this way. The more you love somebody, the more you want to please them. I guarantee it. Not just to get something. You want to please them. You don't need to be told to take out the garbage. There's not always the time you feel like taking out the garbage. I get it. But you want to take out the garbage. You want to wash the car. I don't know. You just don't want to go crazy. Because you love that little lady. Yeah. And as you spend time with our Lord, there's certain actions that happen, and they're so repulsive. Say, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make you sad. I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't want you to look at me and say, oh, oh. Now, to put this in, in the reference, all of you, I'm really sure, have read when Jesus agonized in the garden, right? And he was dropping sweats of blood, and he was, he was just so... And we're going to look at that actual thing in communion a little bit. But how much he agonized going to the cross. He did it because he loved us. But it grieved him deeply. This is the same word that happens when we live like we're people apart from God. Now here's some good news. Chapter 4, verse 23. Instead, instead of living like that, making the Holy Spirit sad, instead, live like Jesus. Verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new person, the clothes of a person who has been graced. Be quite honest, the NLT translation here is bad. I just want to say. It really should be translated, and it's just unfortunate, new nature here. 
Because, again, as you understand the Scriptures, you understand you are a new person. Scripturally, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Let Him renew your attitudes. Let me just say this. Think differently. Everything starts up here. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, if you want to flip over there with me. This is what Paul writes. He's still in prison, still at the same time, just a different place and a different letter. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think, 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 think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Then look at the next line. So put to death. Take those clothes off. And lists a litany of sins. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Think about the things that please the Spirit. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, again, he wrote this same letter in Philippians, same time he was in prison that he wrote to the book uh, or to the church at Ephesus. And he said this near the end of his letter. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing, one final thing, one final thing before I say goodbye. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Renew daily, each hour, minute by minute. You know, again, I, I, I say this, but I, I don't know how anybody can live without spending time in God's Word. I love it with one of the groups that I'm in, that as we're reading through the Scriptures, all right, together, I remind them almost every week when we get together, do you realize this is life giving. Do you realize this helps us focus? It realigns us. It's our compass. Do you realize we need to renew our thinking because every moment I'm out there, I've got the culture telling me something different. Jesus says this. Ha, ha, ha. But the culture says this. I need this. I need to be renewed. I need to understand this minute by minute by minute. And God is transforming us into his truly righteous and holy people by the way we think. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed or squeezed into the world's mold, but let the word of God transform you daily. Daily. And then we look at verses 25 to 29. Back in Ephesians 4, and this all comes together. Won't we understand this? All right? Verses 25 to 29. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Paul keeps talking about that. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work 
Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words might be an encouragement or literally might be gracious to those who hear them. (laughs) We are truthful because it hurts the body if we're not. We're truthful because it hurts us. But we're truthful because it hurts Crosspoint Church and the testimony it has and the mission that it's on. We deal with anger because it hurts the body. If we don't. We stop stealing so our hard work benefits the body and we can be generous. Our words are encouraging and good and helpful for the body because they are being built up. They may be beat up everywhere else in our world, but someone comes here. They're encouraged. They're strengthened. They're encouraged. Now, living like this brings a smile to the Holy Spirit. It says, yes! Not only that individual, but that church. Yes! They got it. Yes! They got it. And so he ends up, verses 31 and 32, kind of summarizes this section. So take off, get rid of, make sure your snowmobile clothes are laying over there. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of harsh words. And put on. Display the marks of walking with God. You see, it's about new habits. You can do it. You must choose, and you must trust the Spirit working in you, but you and I must take off our inappropriate clothing. We must confess our thoughts and our behaviors as sin, something that grieves the Holy Spirit and hurts our church. We need to deal immediately and openly with sin. Confess it all of it. Experience his amazing and wonderful restoration. You see, the Christian life is a life of continual repentance. In fact, one of the things that I ask myself to see how I'm doing in my relationship with God, in my walk with God, it's just a simple question. When's the last time, Rick, you confessed sin? <laughs> About 10 minutes ago. How did you ever get this job? Aren't you supposed to like have your act together, dude? Fooled you. You hired a guy 
that loves the Lord. And as I walk with God, I see all the kinks. I see all the things and the attitudes that are not right. God, you, you got to take that away. God, I need to renew my mind. I need to focus on what is healthy. God, would you do this? Would you change this? The way I responded, the way that I acted, the way that I thought. Father, it's wrong. It's not how you would do it. And I want to live a life where you're going to smile. I really want to please you. So what I'm saying is, put on the appropriate clothing. That's why we stay in the Word. That's why we have life groups, as we do life together, as we walk our journey, so that you might be able to, wow, bounce things off, have accountability, recognize again that we can't do the journey by ourselves. What happens when a person in our church disappoints God? Well, the body is hurt. There are natural consequences that will follow. That's why we as a leadership team, we're not policemen. But if there is something wrong, if there is something that's not healthy and affects our church... It's a big deal. Because sin isn't only against individuals. It's against the church. And it's against God. So my dream, my dream, that we start selling tickets to get into this church. I, I'm just kidding, not selling tickets. But that this place is unbelievable community. That there's love extended and grace extended and there's no place on the planet like this place. We want to encourage you on the journey. Well, I want to also say you're going off the reservation on the journey. We love you. We care for you. But as we walk with God together, we begin to reflect and, and we're kinder than the normal bear. We're more gracious. We're more giving. We're more forgiving because, well, that's how Jesus responded. We're really, really good at loving the sinners and hating the sin. <laughs> how cool would that be? And that's what Paul says. That's all. Paul says, You're a child of the king. Walk worthy of that. Take off all that stuff, the stuff that you didn't ever, ever really want to display. Take it off. You got power to do that. It has no more authority over you. You can be gracious. You can allow God to take care of the justice in your life. You can forgive people. You can do that. You can, you can because God gives you power and authority to do that. Take that stuff away. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We do. And in some ways, we hate when we grieve you. 
Lord, sometimes I'm just so unbelievably selfish, and we are so unbelievably selfish, and we forget and think that we're the only ones here on this planet. But God, you change that. As we walk with you, we see how you love others. We see how you care for others. We see how you serve others. And it's not about you. And that you were so obedient even to the cross so that today we can stand here having our sins paid for. God, that's amazing. And we can receive the free gift of salvation. And it will change us. It will change our church. And it will change our community. God, that's what will happen. That's your plan. We're sorry we disappoint you at times. But God, give us the courage to repent often, to see your way, to make things that are wrong right. And may you receive honor and glory for all that happens, God. In Jesus' name, amen.